You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. My name is Creek, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Abram and Drew. No, that's not Drew. That's, that's not, not Drew. Drew. Who, who do we have on third? Oh, I can introduce myself. If I, I was hoping, <laughs> yes, hoping that Abram would introduce idea. me. Hey, Jason Miller here, a uh, uh, friend of the show. Is that a fair category? We, we haven't properly discussed that. I'm we haven't had a DTR, that. but okay. that's okay. okay. We'll go with it. Yeah, so Drew is traveling right now. So we're like, we need a third, we need a third wheel. And, uh, and I'm an expert at that. <laughs> most of my life experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I'm actually currently at Jason's house. We're cooking a uh, post-Christmas dinner for some friends. And uh, fittingly enough, our guest uh, for this episode, Dr. Jerome Wagner, is a five. Yes. And so it just, just felt fitting uh, to have Jay on, um, who is also a five. So uh, Jay, give, give us a brief overview of what, what did you think of the episode? Yeah. What did you experience? Listen to that. How was that for you? <laughs> I thought it was really great. Uh, I don't want to like be a spoiler here. I mean, first of all, he's just really fun to listen to. He his depth and history on the Enneagram was really exciting to me. Like his roots seem to go like all the way back to kind of the beginning of the modern project of the Enneagram, mm-hmm. right? But uh, for me, like mm-hmm. the experience of it was since you guys had him kind of apply his framework to all the numbers. Like it helped me that he didn't start with my number because on the other numbers, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, they do do that, you know? <laughs> and that made it easier for me to eat humble pie and receive some of the wisdom about how I show up kind of projecting my shadow side on other people. Uh, and I'll say, especially mm-hmm. like, I, it was e- easy for me to quickly think about both like just friendships and interpersonal relationships and also like uh, professional like leadership spaces that I'm in when I'm working with people mm. and teams. So that was uncomfortable and very helpful. Yeah. What I really loved about the framework was, yeah, it's, it's great personally, but also just if you take that model and the, um, the process behind it, once, once you hear it, you'll understand it's a little bit better, but you can apply it to any polarity, um, whether that be politically or oh, wow. religiously or anything like that. Mm. You can ask yourself, in what ways am I projecting the things that I don't like about myself mm-hmm. or my group yep. on the others? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can I reform that into something positive and helpful? Yes. Yeah. It's been a minute since we recorded, so I'm blanking on the... And you'll hear this, listeners, when you listen. But what's the... Do you, Creek, do you remember the, the order of the reown? the... Oh, crap. Uh, the four hours. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. No. Okay. Well, that's that was one of my favorite aspects of, of this. Um, and it's actually become one of the ways that I primarily start when I do a typing interview with somebody now Mm. is that I have them sit down and draw a line down the middle of a piece of paper. And at the top you write on one side, I am, and then everything that follows all the adjectives. And then on the other side, I am not on all the adjectives. And you see, you start to see the polarities, like you mentioned, the opposites, the, the dualities there, because that is what, how Enneagram type works. It is the both and the the things that you want to be, you have to be, you need to be, and all the things that you perceive will undermine you being that way that are on the other mm-hmm. side. So if you are, you know, if you see both those things, extremes reinforcing each other, then that will that will get you there, I think. Yeah. One other thing is we had a f- some technical difficulties. I mean, we recorded this way back in the summer, like 
so this was this was quite a while ago. We weren't even sure what the theme was <laughs> on uh, this <laughs> right. season yet when we recorded. So it was quite a while ago, and we had some technical difficulties, so we're not going to be as clear as what you're used to hearing, but still really valuable content. So Jay, thanks for hopping on and sharing your thoughts. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm excited for everybody to hear this yeah. episode. Wonderful. So without further ado, here we have Dr. Jerome Webb. Greetings, Jerry Wagner, and welcome to Fathoms. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you. It's always <laughs> nice to go deep with Fathoms, so I'm happy to be here. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, that's Great. good. Well, uh, man, to kick us off, we just would love to introduce you a bit to our, our listeners, to our, our people. So could you just tell us a bit about yourself, your background, where you hail from, um, and what you do? Okay. Well, I'm in Evanston, Illinois, and not too long retired from teaching at Loyola. I actually retired just at the right time, right before the pandemic hit. So that was really good timing. Well done. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So I've taught in the psychology department and then the Institute of Pastoral Studies. Hmm. So now, uh, whiling away my time doing Enneagram trainings online, so I still get to teach. And I still, I'm a psychotherapist, so I still see uh, uh, some clients online, Zoom like this. And so I don't know when I'll get back to the office, which I have been paying a lot for every month <laughs> to water my plants. And get <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I had to, I gave up my studio as well. It was just, it was just becoming a place to store plants. That's exactly right. Expensive yeah. equipment. Yep. Anyway, yep. So I'm, I still enjoy doing the Enneagram and, uh, and seeing clients. So awesome. I, I, you probably, I learned the Enneagram, oh God, 1971, which wow. is, yeah, right. right around the year, uh, I think World War One ended. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, History, um, yeah, yeah. Wow. Right. Uh, so, so you and Gurdjieff for probably pretty tight. Oh yeah, yeah. We used oh, yeah. to God for drinks. That's right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What a character. Yeah. So you've experienced the toast of the idiot or whatever he did. Yeah, something like that. Yes. Yeah, right. It wasn't clear who the idiot was. <laughs> All right. Oh man, this is this is starting off so well. Yeah. I love it. Uh, man, c- could we just d- uh, jump in a little bit deeper into your your Enneagram story? Like, sure. Because I know you were you uh, were around when this thing first started to become popular in the U.S. So back in seventy one, I was taking a class in theology. It was called Religious Experience. It was a great mm-hmm. course, and Bob Oaks was the teacher. He had just come back from California, where he learned the Enneagram from Claudio Nerano. So he was in the very first class. I right. think Helen Palmer was either in that class or the next class, and Sandra Maitri was there, and um, Almas. So it was uh, the first class Claudio taught right after he came back from learning it down in uh, Chile from Oscar Ichazo. So, you know, mm. Mm, this is the ancient of days we're talking here. <laughs> so it was really a, a wonderful course. It was two semesters, and we so the Enneagram got spread out. We had time to, you know, talk to each other, really a lot of time to learn it. So it was great. And so then I I went back to school at Loyola, got my PhD in clinical psych, and miraculously, they let me do my dissertation on the Enneagram because none of them, no one has ever heard of it. And at that time, there was nothing written on the Enneagram. Hmm. Now there, I you know, I lost track of how many books there are, but 
So instead of a bibliography, I said, well, it's oral tradition. How about if I just put phone numbers in the back of the dissertation? You know, you can call these people up. Wow. And uh, they, they didn't think that was funny at all. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to, you know, fudge some, you know, articles in the back. <laughs> <laughs> what few there were. So part of why I was named an honorary founder, so f- feel free to call me the Honorable Jerome, you know, any if you like. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Because my dissertation was, uh, I think, the first fully written description of the Enneagram types. Wow. Um, and plus, I've been around a long time. So if you get to into something early, stay around long enough, you eventually get a prize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, noted. Actually, Pat, o- yeah. Pat O'Leary was in the same class that I was in back in um, theology, and he actually published the first book on the Enneagram. Right. Then Helen published hers. So anyway, wow. I've been doing it ever since. You'd think I'd be sick of it by now, but it's still <laughs> fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, Jerome, before we get into uh, more more of your unique contribution to the Enneagram, quick Rapid fire question. Yeah. If you have, if you got into an elevator and someone's like, <laughs> Oh my goodness, it's Jerry Wagner. Mm. The honorable, the, the honorable, honorable Jerry <laughs> Wagner. That's right. Uh, Jerry, what is the Enneagram? You got three floors. <laughs> oh my God. Well, uh, okay. So it's a personality system that describes nine different ways of being in the world. There's good news and bad news about each type, you know, so there are, there are gifts and strengths for each type. And if you exaggerate them, then it can become a liability. So there's a downside to, mm-hmm. you know, as human beings, we can screw up almost anything, including ourselves. So, and the Enneagram is, yeah, it's very helpful for, for knowing yourself, for knowing your significant others, you know, your kids, your uh, workmates. So it's, I find it a very uh, useful tool. Are we at the third floor yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like doors are opening. So uh, okay then. Yeah, well done, well done. <laughs> Thank you. What uh, what number do you identify as? Well, it's not? none of your business, but I happen to be. A, <laughs> I am a five. That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Uh, and what is your uh, what is your experience as a five? <laughs> well, the pandemic has been a five's heaven. Yeah, you know, because I haven't had to talk to anybody see anybody so it's been wonderful i just stay in my cave and order in food so so if those who have been through the pandemic you know what it's like to be a five yeah there you go there you have what is what is one thing that the fiveness during the pandemic was more of a detriment a detriment oh god i never thought that there was any detriment (laughs) to being a five (laughs) <laughs> i actually was gonna say well one of the good things is you know you like to read and so there's not much else to do during the pandemic so i could read it was a detriment i think it we you know fives were well suited for the pandemic i haven't heard any five say that was a bad experience mm. they all said this was great so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean i've had a couple of five friends talk about how they did start feeling trapped at some point yeah. Um, yeah. Just when there has started to be uh, no more new information that they could. Oh, yeah. Uh, gather and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I don't know. It, I mean, it did remind me that we are interpersonal beings. So I found mm. myself calling up people 
Zooming with people. So I was actually doing, you know, some reaching out, not a lot. Sure. But just enough. Like, uh, yeah, we're not enough by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Jerry, uh, one of the things that we want to talk to you about, I mean, you've, you've been working with the Enneagram for so long. There's a lot of different. Yeah maybe paths we could go, but mm-hmm. we'd love to have a conversation with you about your work on integrating polarities yeah, yeah. using and using the four R's. I'm wondering if you could just yeah. introduce that concept and then maybe we can start to have a conversation about the nine types mm-hmm. in okay. this particular framework. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, I like this polarities idea. It's, it's one of the things that I do that I like the best really. Yeah. So it kind of, it goes with Karen Horney, the idealized self-image, or with Carl Jung, the persona, mm-hmm. quoting all these authorities so I can look intelligent. <laughs> um, Good work. So you have this idealized self-image, who you think you should be, who you want to be, who you want other people to think you of. And so uh, I have an exercise where I ask people to make a list of I am qualities. So, you know, like if you're making a resume or you're doing something on Tinder or I'm old, I do match, you know, and I use AOL too. Mm. And so make a list of I am. Here's who you asked me who I am and here's who I would like you to see me as. So you make that column and then across from that, you're thinking, okay, if I'm this, then I'm not that. Mm-hmm. And we can go through, you know, each of the Enneagram types. I'll show you how that kind of plays out. It's really that fascinating. That sounds Just great. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So what happens is you do some repression. So the things that, you, that don't fit your self-image, you repress, put them in the basement. Mm-hmm. And um, you can also do splitting. So there's the good me and the bad me. That's the I am, I am not. And so it's like Jekyll and Hyde. Mm-hmm. So both of those create divisions within yourself. So if you put all your garbage in the basement and it starts to stink, you you can throw it out. And luckily, there are eight recycling bins that you can throw your garbage <laughs> in. Right? So we take the parts of us we don't like and we throw it out. And who gets it? That would be us. So I'll show you how that works. It's fascinating. Yeah. Who you get surrounded by <laughs> when you throw out the parts of you you don't like. So projection, ever popular projection. So the trick is, rather than giving away those parts of yourself, there might be something good there. So we give those parts of ourselves a bad reputation or, you know, you got this gold that's kind of encrusted in crud, you know. Yeah. So maybe uh, rethink it. So... The four R's are recognize it. Can you even recognize some of these qualities in yourself that you don't particularly like, but you say, well, yeah, I'm that way sometimes. Mm. If that doesn't work, then try to reframe it. (laughs) Call it something else. I'll show you how that works. Make it a little bit, you know, um, there's a guy by the name of, whose name I can't remember, of course. He's a psychoanalyst. But he said at the core of every neurosis is a healthy striving. Hmm. So all these things that we don't like about ourselves, there's something good about them. Hmm. And so we that. find that positive part. And then then you can reown it, and then you can recycle it. You can reuse it. So otherwise, you know, we, we let's say we got nine cylinders and we're only using one cylinder because you've thrown out a lot of parts of yourself. So get them back in, and then you got a lot more liveliness. 
So, um, Jerry, can I ask you a question? Well, is it a personal question? (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to ask, is what we idealize what creates our shadow? Yes. Okay. Because the shadow would be the opposite of who we think we should be. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh. So it becomes, uh, again, Karen Hornite talks about the despised self. So in a way, the stuff in the shadow is things that we we don't like. And we don't think other people will like that either. So we don't want people to see that. How is it I come to idealize what is specific to me? I think it is a exaggeration of who you really are. So um, let's, I don't know, let's pick on the ones. Let's say it's a one, you want to be good. And you want to realize all your potentials. You want to help other people be good. You want to make the world a better place. You're, why are you here? Your job is to kind of fix things, <laughs> make them better, um, starting with us. So, okay, so that's a good thing. And you naturally have a, I don't know, you want to do things well. And you you get a satisfaction into doing things as, as best you can. You get a satisfaction in helping bring out the potential in other people good stuff but if you overdo that then rather than this is something i want to do this is something natural for me this is something that just comes from my real self now it becomes something i should do so if i want to be loved if i want to be okay and if i want to get into heaven you know then i i have to be this way so the ones have to be right they have to be perfect Twos are naturally loving, but if for some reason or other your parents were not Carl Rogers and you didn't get unconditional positive regard, then you say, oh, well, there must be something wrong with just being who I am. So maybe I'll be something a little bit different. And maybe if I'm helpful, if I'm useful, if I compliment you, if I'm, you know, your helper and servant, then I'll be okay. So you take a good thing and it becomes a should. Mm. Threes should be successful. Fours should be special. Fives should be smart. Sixes should be, you know, loyal. It becomes a should. Sevens who like to have fun, now they should do it. Mm. Eights who are naturally strong have to be strong. It's not okay to be weak. Nines who are easygoing, relaxed, go with the flow, overdo it. And now they have to be settled. They have to be, you know, non-conflicted. So that's what happens. You just don't yeah. do a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's very much like an overcompensation. That's right. For that's the right. thing that they're looking. Yeah. That's okay. right. And underneath, yeah. you don't you don't think you're good enough. Mm-hmm. So you have to compensate for it. And then the personality is that kind of overcompensation. Where and how did you start to see these things come together? into like this sort of format. I, yeah, I wish you could see this here. In my book, you know, uh, which is available now, the 25th anniversary edition, available wow. on Amazon. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's a lovely cover and should be on everybody's, uh, you know, coffee table. <laughs> yes. Anyway, and there I have this chart and it's it's like a bullseye. So in the center is your real self. And what it is that we value. So goodness, love, getting things done, efficiency, beauty, all those Mm. things. And then the outer circle is the personality. So these are the things, if you overdo the good stuff, 
becomes the idealized self-image, then opposite of that is the, uh, well, in, in the Enneagram, they used to talk about the area of avoidance. Ones avoid anger, twos avoid their own needs. So I just expanded that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then between who you think you should be and who you don't want to be are those defense mechanisms. So, okay. uh, and actually, because I'm not getting paid for this podcast, my other book, The Nine Lenses on the World, has all this spelled out very nicely. Yeah. And if people don't want to buy that, but they should, on my website, there is a really nice article about polarities. Oh, good. So okay. I'm doing a kind of a short version of it, but yeah. actually it's a pretty, pretty good article. Yeah, yeah, and we'll be sure to put uh, all those links in the show notes so that our, our listeners can find those. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So, uh, so anyway, that's how I kind of uh, got into setting up this, this uh, polarity idea. Do you want me to show you some of them? Yeah, that would be awesome. I would love that. Yes. Talk through them. Okay. This works better visually, but since you guys, you know, are poor and you can only do this audially, <laughs> I'll see if I can describe it audibly. <laughs> Even though most fives are visual. So it's just, you know, the cross I'm bearing. <laughs> so if you're a one and you, now what I do in a workshop is I ask people, well, let's come up with some words that you would use to describe a one, you know, or how ones would describe themselves. Mm. And it's amazing. So I have a list of, you know, a hundred words for each type. I'm not going to say each one, but so ones want to be good, right? They want to be right. What goes into their self-image? Well, they're serious, they're intense, they're conscientious. You know, they try really hard. You can't criticize them yet because they're still trying. They got high standards and they're they're critical, they're accurate, you know, good sense. So Mm -hmm. that's who they are. If they are those things, then what are they not? So if you're good, well, they are not bad. If I'm right, I'm not wrong. If I'm intense, I'm not half-hearted. If I'm serious, I'm not frivolous, like some of those other Enneagram types. I'm trying hard. I'm not careless. I have high standards. I don't have low standards. I'm reminded of Clink Thompson, who's started the Enneagram (laughs) newsletter monthly. I asked him once, he's he's a consultant, and he said to me, you know, you know what the secret of my success is, don't you? I said, well, I know, Clarence, I don't. He said, well, I have very low standards. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, Clink is not a one. So, <laughs> have high standards. All right, they're accurate. They're not inaccurate. They're, oh, they're critical. They're not forgiving. It's hard for ones to forgive. I mean, you know, you did it wrong, so you've mm-hmm. got to own for mm-hmm. it. Okay, mm-hmm. now catch this. If ones are not bad, wrong, half-hearted, frivolous, lax, careless, they have no standards, they're inaccurate and they're forgiving, who is? So they take all those qualities and they project them onto us and look at that crowd they are surrounded by. Mm. You think your life is miserable. How would you like to be someone who has very high standards, knows how to do things right, and your team is made up of a bunch of half-hearted, lax, careless people, really. Mm-hmm. And so you wonder, why do ones have to do everything themselves? Why are they angry and resentful? Because with this crowd that they have surrounded themselves with, how can you expect anything to get done well? You've mm-hmm. got to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in a way, we kind of create our own world, and it can be kind of 
<laughs> miserable. <laughs> and so what do ones have to do? Well, they got to, they got to somehow shape us up. They've got to make us less careless, give us better standards, teach us how to do things well. So, well, you know, ones might become teachers. They might become consultants. You can see that the ones work is really cut out for them because they got to fix us. Mm. And, and we don't want to be fixed. So then they get even madder and more resentful. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's fascinating. So they need to make friends with the demon, the, the I am not side. It's interesting. The Greek word, I'm free associating here. The Greek word daimon means both uh, divine and devil. Same word. Oh, interesting. Wow. Really? Yeah. So you got to make friends with your daimon. Wow. Make friends with the huh. uh, demon, yeah. And you find out, like in all those cartoons, Shrek and all that, that, that the dragon and whatever, they turn out to be kind of helpful. Hmm. Something good about them. We we give them a bad reputation. So, you know, well, ones have to find out, well, what's good about being frivolous? What's good about being bad? So they'd have to ask the rest of us, you know. This reminds me of Mae West, you know, Mae West, the old femme fatale. She said, when I'm good, I'm good. When I'm bad, I'm really good. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to figure out at the core of that thing that you're kind of giving a bad reputation to or distorting, what's good about it? Mm. So you might say, what's good about being lax? Well, it's relaxed. It's refreshed time, mm. you know, so kind of take your foot off the brakes when your car is skidding and just kind of go with the flow to so be more seven-like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it sounds like what I'm picking up on are is that all the not-me's yeah. are basically behaviors of our line points. So for the one, the seven, and the five, is that, or four, is that right? Not necessarily, but, but that, there, that's there a little bit. And yeah, so you could okay. also see why a one would be slow to go to the seven, which would be actually good for them, balancing for them, mm-hmm. because they right. think the sevens as being frivolous, lax, careless, no standards, half-hearted. Who wants mm-hmm. to be that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they need to kind of reown, reframe those qualities, uh, yeah. make friends with them. There's a mm-hmm. speaking of Greeks, the the old Greek myth, the Furies and the Eumenides. So the Furies. Were these, you know, demons out there terrorizing the hell out of Athenians? And uh, I forgot who they sent out somebody, Apollo, or I forgot who it was. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, you're the leader of the city. Go, t- <laughs> go talk to these screaming memes out here. So, yeah. So he says, okay. So he goes out and talks to them. And they said, well, you know, thanks for talking to us. Nobody else has ever talked to us. And so they became the humanities the good-minded ones, they they became the protectors of Athens. Mm. Now, to show you where my cultural heart lies, if you go back to, who was the guy under the water in, in um, <laughs> the Marvel comics? Who was that guy? Oh, oh Aquaman. 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 Now, if you saw that movie, and I'm sure you have, there was this monster there. And, you know, that used to eat everybody up and, and, and Aquaman went and talked to him and then they, you know, <laughs> he became friends. He says, oh, okay, you can have the treasure. You can have your spear back. Same thing, seven samurai, bad guys terrorizing the village, but then they became friends of the village and protected them. So our mm. Western version is the um, Magnificent Seven. Mm. 
So make mm. friends with your shadow and you'll find out there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah. be afraid of your shadow. Also, in my circle of this book that you're all going to go run out and buy now, <laughs> the, the circle that is closest to the real self, that inner circle, is the shadow. So if you want to find your real self, go through the shadow. You have to go through yep. the shadow. Yeah. The least good. part you want to go to. Okay. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Do the twos. Twos yeah, are kind of interesting too. Let's, let's do it. Sure. So twos, uh, you think about twos, you generate some words for them. So they're loving, they're helpful, they're warm, they're kind, sensitive, they're relational, they're fuzzy, warm and fuzzy, they're sympathetic. They compliment people, you know. So if they're those things, then they're not withholding. They're helpful. They're not selfish. They're warm. They're not cold. They're kind. They're not mean. They're not indifferent. They're relational, so they're not loners like those fives. They're not prickly like those eights. They're not heartless. They're not critical like those ones. So uh, all those things, they are not. And if you look at that, you can see on the I am side, you got Karen Horneyes moving towards loving, helpful, mm-hmm. warm, kind, sensitive. On the mm-hmm. I am not side, you got moving against and moving away from, mm-hmm. withholding, yep. uh, indifferent, lonely, uh, selfish, mean, prickly would be moving against. So twos are left with only <laughs> one way to go towards people. Right. And they find it hard to move away say no they find it hard to be assertive set boundaries so they've kind of cut themselves off from those two other helpful trends mm-hmm. so then they got to and okay and now so you project all that out and now these poor twos who are just trying to be helpful are surrounded by a bunch of withholding selfish cold mean indifferent heartless critical people <laughs> and you wonder why are twos slow to express their needs? Hmm. Why bother? Yeah. yeah. With that crowd, who cares? They're hmm. not going to give you yeah. anything. So what do you have to do? you got to warm them up. you got to maybe do some things for them, and maybe you'll get some crumbs from the table. But, you know, you're really surrounded by a bunch of – it's like it's like Cinderella. You know, you're surrounded by a bunch of means ah. and sisters. Hmm. Interesting. Well, twos need to make friends with that part of them. Well, mm-hmm. you know, what's good about being cold? What's good about being mean? Hmm. So it might be tough love. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Can you figure out a way of integrating the I am and the I am not? So this idealized self-image and the shadow. So you you got Hegel with a thesis, I am, antithesis, I am not, synthesis, allows you to do both. Right. Yeah. Uh, yin yang, balancing force. Gurdjieff talks about um, whatever he talks about, uh, three forces, but it's the same mm-hmm. idea. Right. So can you come up with an overarching self image that allows you to be both warm and cold? That's mm-hmm. hard to do. So you might have to reframe cold. cold. Call it something else. Help me out here. Give me another word for cold that's positive. I can't think of it right now myself. I'm not cold. I'm a hostile, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I, I you guys knew. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> edit, this, edit this out. So cold, oh, yeah. I oh, sure. know I'm reasonable. I'm mm. rational. Mm. I'm, okay. ob- yeah. I'm objective. There it is. Yeah. Now you got it. You got to mm. work at this. 
So can you be warm and objective at the same time? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to reframe it and then you can allow yourself to be both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the formula on some level is, is to look at those, the things that you're the shadow side of the things that you don't like about like your connecting points and maybe other India numbers. Yeah. And then just sit with the negative word that you associate with that number mm-hmm. and try to drill down into that positive. That's What's exactly the positive right. root? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it'll be there. Um, all right. Let's do, let's do some threes. Do more. Want to do some more? Yeah. Yeah. Threes. All let's right. Make Drew uncomfortable. Threes. Here we go. Yeah. I'm a three, Jerry. Oh, really? Well, here okay. we go. <laughs> so words that you would associate with threes or with Drew. Well, I, I'm successful. I get things done. Distracted, uh, I'm unavailable. Laughing. I'm laughing. I, I hope your audience doesn't mind bad words. I just no. did a training and, and threes, threes were in their group and we said, you know, what do you have to contribute? What do you offer to the group? You know, and basically they said, we get shit done. So, <laughs> yes. that's, what, that's what threes are good for. That's right. So they're pragmatic. They, they're good promoting themselves and their product, you know, their product. They're self-assured, multitasking, cheerleaders. So they're, op- you know, optimistic like sevens and, and, and they're ambitious. Okay. So what are they not? So if, if you're successful, then you're not a failure. If you get things done, you you know, you don't leave things half done. If you're organized, not inefficient, you're ambitious, you're not aimless, uh, you're a promoter, you're not a wait and see, so you're active, you're not passive, you're self-assured, you're not a loser, you're not a stone-cold loser, it's, yeah. uh, you're multitasking, so you're not limited, you're a cheerleader, you're out there, you're a leader, you're not a wallflower. Hmm. Okay, if you're not those things then who is? (laughs) So here are the threes who are just trying to get things done, who are very efficient leaders, you know, and good team people. And look who's on their team. You got a group of failures, people who are inefficient, aimless, (laughs) passive, losers, limited, wallflowers. So this is why threes say, how can I soar with the eagles when I'm stuck with a bunch of turkeys like you? (laughs) <laughs> oh, you two Thess, Thess, now you know what Drew thinks of you. <laughs> oh, my God. And he stayed with you all these years. I'm glad you're a psychotherapist because we're going to need that here in a minute. <laughs> well, that's, that's right. I'll, I'll give you my card in a minute. That's right. <laughs> oh, poor threes. I mean, they got to shape us up. So, you know, threes, they organize our closet, organize our life. They're motivators, right? Motivating, motivating speakers. But they're, you know, so they, they're consultants. They just got to shape us up. Four threes. It's not easy yeah. being three. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but no, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, now think of those words. Failure, late, pie in the sky, aimless, wait and see, loser, limited. And do any of those words seem worse than others? I mean, they're all abhorrent. They're just terrible qualities. Any seem harder to swallow than others? Oh. Like I don't see any good that can come from that. Oh, I think for well, speaking from this three here, yeah. Uh, yeah. failure, yeah, without a doubt, has been yeah. the most challenging aspect yeah. of my life. Yeah, yes, yeah. So let me ask you this: in the rare times when you have failed, if at all, 
because threes are good at reframing it. That wasn't right. Failure. That was a learning experience. Right. right. Uh-huh. Did anything good come when you did fail? Do you remember anything good coming from it? Absolutely. I yeah. think, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the times in which I have failed and have been honest about the failure. Yeah. Which is key as yeah. opposed to just reframing it. I think yes. a humility, mm-hmm. patience, virtue, and character development have come yeah. through failure far more than my successes. It Absolutely. You. That's right. right. Yeah. And hope. Yeah. And that's great. And, 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 and probably paradoxically, you find that, that rather than people running away and shunning you and avoiding you, oh, God, you're a failure, it probably draws people to you. They say, oh, Absolutely. you're approachable now. You're like us. Right. Uh, less aloof, less on my own pedestal that I've built, you know, uh, right. more more vulnerable in healthy ways. Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. Right. Makes you more human. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember a, a workshop. A three woman was saying, "If when I fail, don't do what I do. Don't say you know reframe it or whatever. I want you to be with you with me in my failure because I find mm-hmm. that so hard. Mm-hmm. But if we say, well, yeah, I, I get it. That's yeah, I, you're still my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Go, you know, yeah. yeah, that's right. Good." Now I forget which one of you is a four, right? Oh, definitely of, not me. Uh, no, <laughs> Creek is our resident I am a four. four. I am a oh, four. excellent! Yeah. All right, so here we come with the four. Here we go. Time to pick on you. Mm-hmm. So, what words have we c- generated for fours? Well, you're original. You're, you'll like these words. You're creative. There's a certain nostalgia. Uh, for the past, for the future, there's a longing that fours have. There's, there's a mysteriousness, we'll see, because you don't want to be too ordinary. Fours are romantic, deep, passionate, um, artsy, but not craftsy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Why have we, I've never heard that. That's perfect. <laughs> I hate craftsy, whatever that word is. There you go. That's, That's right. the one I'm reacting against. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Uh-huh. So there's a, a authentic, all those things. Okay. Yes. So if you're yes. original, then you're not ordinary. If you're creative, you're not unimaginative. If you're nostalgic, you're not cheery. <laughs> <laughs> if you're deep, you're not shallow. It's great. Uh, if you're mysterious, you're not predictable. Yeah, we never know what the hell is going to happen with force. Right? <laughs> you're not utilitarian. You're passionate. You're not detached. That kind of thing. You're melancholic. You're kind of you know deep. You're, you have a lot of feelings, and they kind of mm, come and go and up and down. So you're not even tempered. Okay. Mm. So now take those parts of you that you don't like. Who would? Now you project out being ordinary, unimaginative, superficial, cheery utilitarian, you know, detached, craftsy, all these things. And that's us. So mm-hmm. you, this deep, authentic <laughs> uh, a <laughs> person who, who loves beauty are surrounded by a bunch of Philistines. Rude, crude, un- oh, yeah, what people. <laughs> exactly. I don't know how you put up with those two. <laughs> and so... The, the expression, um, don't throw your pearls 
before swine, you know, yeah. why would you want to take your brilliance and give it to this crowd? Because we just don't, we're not going to get it. No wonder fours are misunderstood. How could a bunch of shallow, unimaginative, ordinary people ever understand the four? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tough life. You, right. you, you guys are living. I suffer the worst. I understand. I'm sure. Your suffering <laughs> makes you special. <laughs> exactly. Don't take my suffering away from me. It's all I have. <laughs> That's right. And we shouldn't laugh at force. Yeah. But we yeah. will. Exactly. All right. So yeah. all those words, cheery, ordinary, superficial, shallow, detached, do any of those seem really bad, horrible, worse than others? So my answer to that is yeah. shallow. However, yes. the um the detached part Mm-hmm. is not a negative word to me. Oh, okay. Um, what about being detached then? It, okay, I'm not saying it's healthy. However, no. it's not a negative word. Mm-hmm. If uh, Because if I'm able to stay detached, then I'm able to stay distinct and Whoa. special and unique. And it's like the mysterious. It's the mysterious. Oh. So no one, no one, I don't allow anyone to understand me. Therefore, I can keep my... Yes. My specialness. So, right. yeah, yeah. But to answer your question, the shallow, the shallow yeah. bit is the thing I revolt oh. against. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So for the rest of us, you know, the four of us who are shallow, obviously, and superficial, can we, <laughs> can we help Seth understand what's good about being superficial? Mm. He, he misses the point. What's good about being shallow? And this is a tough one. This comes up all the time with fours. Yeah, I have the answer, but I'm I'm willing to hear from everyone else. Well, I'd say it 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 allows you to conserve your energy for the things that truly matter. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'd say. It allows you to uh, be pleasant to other people, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I see it as uh, being relatable. And being okay. able to connect yeah. better. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's right. Yeah. Because you would think, well, if I go real, real, real deep and suck everybody else down into the depths with me, that's where it's at. But yeah. there's, you know, we sometimes we'll go down with you, but sometimes we're saying we don't want to go down there. Mm-hmm. You can't see anything. It's kind of mucky, and you can't move around very much. Yeah. So I often think as little spiders, you know, on the surface of water, and they can really flit around up there. Get yeah. Around. There's not as much drag. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So you want a little bit of both to be able to go deep and and to, and there's something good about the surface. Actually, uh, Fritz Perls talks about, you know, when you're dealing with somebody, it's it's right on the surface. You can just see it. Mm. You don't have to go down deep. He was kind of against psychoanalysis, you know, depth psychology. He said it's right right there on the surface. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right, let's do fives. We'll do fives because, you know, we'll just stick with the I am side. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So fives, we are wise, curious, quiet, frugal. I was just talking to somebody whose father is frugal. (laughs) He's a five. Uh, We are contained. We're not extravagant out there. Reasonable, thorough, you know, going into depth and things. We like the whole picture, get the big picture, and I don't know, partial, in, uh, objective, 
all those kinds of things. All right, so that's a good news. If we are those things, then we're not foolish. If we're curious, we're not unaware. If we're quiet, we're not chatty. I don't know how to talk. We don't know how to carry on superficial conversations. Let's talk about the Enneagram. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, let's just have a drink and talk about the Cubs. All right. Yeah. We're frugal. We're not extravagant. We're not effusive. We're not romantic. We're not myopic. We, <laughs> we like to get the whole picture. And we're impartial. We're not emotional. So now project all that stuff out. And you think you got problems. How'd you like to live with this crowd? So you've got a bunch of foolish, unaware, chatty, overly extroverted, effusive, unprepared, emotional people. Hmm. So there's a great book. It's called A Confederacy of Dunces, which really <laughs> captures what I'm talking about here. So five, we're not surrounded by uh, evil people. We're not surrounded by immoral people. We're not surrounded by, uh, you know, whatever. We're surrounded by idiots. So listen to Five's talk. It's all intellectual. You know, you're you're a dumb, you're a moron, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I just called a group that this morning. <laughs> idiots. <laughs> uh, oh, we got to figure out, well, what's good about being foolish? What's good about being an idiot? You know, well, you can learn. If you're wise, you know everything. There's nothing new to learn. So uh, I think a wise fool would be like the um, the court jester, you know, who could say things to the king and get away with it without getting his head cut off. So mm. because you kind of are foolish or joking, or I uh, for myself, uh, the way of integrating being a wise and fool is the word learner. Mm. So I'm mm-hmm. a learner, mm-hmm. which allows me to both know and not know at the same time. Hmm. So, but we got to get you know in touch with our oh I don't know the emotional emotional side mostly get in touch with our heart and um, and maybe learn how to chit chat a little bit more. Yeah. Hmm. All right, that's hmm. enough about fives. Let's talk about sixes. <laughs> yes. Great. So sixes, head center. They're loyal. Law-abiding, unless they're uh, counterphobic sixes, then they might be outlaws, you know, or safer to be outside the law. But fearful sixes, they tend to be prudent. They're questioning. What do you mean by that? What do you, what's underneath that? What you're just saying? They're prepared. They're all their fears helping to be prepared. They're persistent. They tend to be group, so they're communal. They value the group. They're vigilant mm-hmm. because the world is a dangerous place, and they can be worrisome. I think sixes would admit that they're fearful. Fives and sevens, we 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 are fearful, but we don't admit it. Sixes mm. are more willing to say, "Yeah, I'm afraid of a lot of things." Mm. So if I'm loyal, I'm not a traitor. If I'm law-abiding, I'm not disobedient. If I'm prudent, I'm not reckless. I'm questioning. I'm not trusting. Uh, if I'm persistent, I'm not flighty. Again, like my neighbors, the sevens. I'm communal. I'm not isolated, like my neighbor, the five. I'm vigilant, I'm not negligent, I'm worrisome, I'm not carefree. So sixes take those qualities because they don't see any good in them and they toss us out into us. So here you have this law-abiding person who wants to be loyal and faithful. (laughs) They're surrounded by traitors, by reckless, ill-equipped, flighty, negligent, you know, people. So no wonder sixes are 
paranoid and vigilant. Mm, <laughs> you got to keep yeah. your eye on that crowd. You never know yeah. what they're going to do. <laughs> you'll, become, oh, you'll become policemen, you know, or, mm. or probation oh. officers or bishops, you know, because you got to keep that crowd <laughs> in mind. Mm. Or you and other jobs for sixes would be, you know, like meat inspectors and, and environmental mm. protection. And people, there's a lot of uh, viruses going around on computers, so they would be making antivirus Hmm. products so then you need so like trader you you know that's that's the hard one for sixes because they really don't want to be betrayed or mm-hmm. betray anybody else so you might say well maybe that's a conscientious objector and you're following a law higher than the civil law or something like that mm-hmm. so you you know you can go to those disobedient perhaps at the core of that is i'm being in touch with my inner authority as opposed to I've given it away to outer authorities, but I'm going to get in touch with my own inner compass. Hmm. So kind of making friends with what, what doesn't look like a, a good way to be. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so sevens. Sevens. Here we go. So jo- joyful, optimistic, multi-talented. These are all things that sevens say about themselves. They're playful, spontaneous, entertaining. They're visionaries. They're out there. You know, where are we going to be 100 years from now? And I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to have for dinner tonight, let alone where I'm going to be 100 <laughs> years from now. Pushing up daisies, I think. So, you know, they're very social. What are they not? If they're joyful, they're not cheerless. If they're optimistic. They're not pessimistic. Uh, multi-talented. They're not limited. They're, they're not. They're serious. I mean, say they're not serious. If they're entertaining, they're not boring. So being boring or being bored is just the worst for sevens. Mm -hmm. They don't see any good because it's like death. If you're bored, you're dead. What good good can come from that? (laughs) No, they don't like being bored. They always got options. You know, Mm -hmm. listening to a podcast like this, they're probably doing five different things so that Mm -hmm. these things get dull here. (laughs) So... Uh, I remember Seven saying, living with her husband was like walking through the woods with a log tied to your leg. The <laughs> <laughs> wonderful description of us. Ah, uh, that's right. A bunch of party poopers, dull, dull ball and chain. <laughs> really, honestly, God. <laughs> so Seven's, you know, go into the entertainment business. They, you know, probably work for Disney, you know, and travel agents i mean they got to cheer us up because we're just uh we got no vision we got mm-hmm. no energy we got no life poor sevens <laughs> so they need to make friends with the well serious part of them but sevens say because they're connected to the five we want to be taken serious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so you know what's good about that so going deep mm-hmm. uh, rather than being a jack of all trades maybe go into something into into more depth, become a proficient expert at it. Mm. Kind of behind the two. Yeah. Mm. All right. Eights. Now this is an interesting phenomenon. So eights are, you know, we project all of our (laughs) stuff onto eights. (laughs) So they're strong. They're self-sufficient. They're tough. This is how they like to think of themselves. They're direct, no nonsense. They're leaders. Uh, like, you know, if there's a good leader, they, they're fine. Let them go. But if there's a vacuum of leadership, then they feel comfortable stepping in. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in charge. So, I'll, hey, I'm in charge now. 
The rest of us were, you know, were nervous about that, but Al felt good about it. Remember him, the Secretary of State? Yeah. Maybe I'd be too young. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. possible. All right. So <laughs> for the eight, you're going to be just. There's a largeness. They're magnanimous. They're confident. They're passionate. So all those things. Okay. If they're strong, then they're not weak. They're self-sufficient. They're not needy. If they're tough, they're not a bleeding heart, that kind of thing, you know, or a, or a victim. If they're direct, they're not phony. They're leaders. They're not a follower. They're not unjust. If they're big, they're not small. They're confident. They're not diffident. And if they're passionate, they're not ambivalent. They're, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. So now look at who you're surrounded by. If you put on this mindset of the eight, I'm strong. I'm self-sufficient. I'm larger than anybody else. I'm solid. I'm surrounded by a bunch of weak, needy, unjust, small, diffident, phony, bleeding hard people. (laughs) When it comes to taking over the room, to taking over the company, to taking over the world, who's going to stop you? Mm -hmm. A bunch of, you know, followers who are small, diffident, ambivalent? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you want to be, if you want to take charge, you got to get that mindset and surround yourself by a bunch of wimps, then you can take over. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Now I would say my identify mostly with the I am not side. So they, they're going to get no opposition from me, you know, <laughs> do this Wagner. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I suspect, you know, weak, oh man, or being a victim, those things are really tough for AIDS to, swallow see any good that comes from that just makes them too vulnerable Mm. but when you know it's the old saint paul when i'm weak then i'm strong it it allows them to experience other people's support Mm. instead of them you know holding us up we 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 can have their back Mm -hmm. but they're not going to experience that unless they show their vulnerability and and i think it's really hard for aids to do Mm. Yeah. yeah 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 But they, they they can do it with spouses and really good friends. But they they'll have to test you. You know, are you are you strong enough, big enough to hold me up? Mm. So they put you to the test. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. How about nines? Now nines are saying, "Good God, what the that's hell? me. That's <laughs> me, Jerry. Here, over right here. Excellent, excellent. All right. I'm peaceful. I'm comfortable. I'm patient. I'm allowing. You know, go with the flow. I'm inclusive." Everybody's welcome. I'm a tortoise. I, I, uh, you know, eventually win the race because the rabbit gets lost somewhere. <laughs> I go with the flow. <laughs> the universe is unfolding as it should. Uh, I'm a mediator. I can see both sides of an issue. I, I put passive here, but receptive might be a better word. Kind of receptive. So if I'm peaceful, then I'm not frantic. If I'm comfortable. I'm not edgy. I'm patient. I'm not pushy. If I'm allowing, I'm not demanding. Yeah. I'm inclusive, so I'm not exclusive. I go with the flow as opposed to change course, you know, so I've, I'm in this, you know, 30-year trial marriage. Oh, okay. For <laughs> another few years, see how it goes. <laughs> I'm a mediator. I'm not a troublemaker. I'm passive. I'm not aggressive. Now, look at this. Look at What's in every one of those words, I am not. I'm frantic, edgy, pushy, demanding, excluding, troublemaker, aggressive. Do you see a, an, an, an emotion that's over there on the I am not side? 
Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, every one of those yeah. words has anger in it. Anger, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so nines have given their anger away. We got it. Oof. And so they're yeah. uncomfortable with conflict. They're uncomfortable with when their anger comes out. It's like Vesuvius. Baboom. Scares the hell out of everybody, including them. Mm. Uh, but they're, you know, there's uh, somehow nine, or anger is not acceptable. It destroys relationships. It tears things apart. Whereas with eights, anger is, brings people together. You find out who you really are when you're angry. So mm-hmm. nines need to make friends with their their um, that anger part of them, or call it something else. Mm. So, well, so okay, so all frantic, edgy, pushy, demanding, excluding hair, troublemaker, aggressive, any of those mm, qualities seem harder to identify with than others. You say, oh, God, no, don't tell me I'm that. I see no good that could come from that. Yeah. Like, which ones are really, ugh? Most of them. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. probably <laughs> probably uh, what probably comes to the surface for me is demanding and aggressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would think demanding is about as far away from a nine as you can get. Mm-hmm. And same with twos. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can hint at it or you can say, well, would you mind? Or, you know, waiter, when you have time, sometime tonight, could you give me some water? Uh, but demanding, yeah, I can eat. Where's my water? Yep. Hand it over. I like to say that I put pillows on on e- either side of my sentences. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how would you can you reframe demanding? I'm not demanding. I'm so allowing is on the I am side. Demanding is on the I am not. You know, so the allowing would be oh, I'm kind of a doormat. And what do you want? I, you know, I don't matter. Whatever you want. So what's demanding? What's at the core of that? That's that's good for you. You tell me. <laughs> I, think, I think we stumped him. I'm sorry. We only have two hours for this podcast. <laughs> so what would be in demanding? Well, well, when you think about being demanding, what what, hap- what comes up in you? Uh, it requires someone to be significant. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the downside of the nine is I, I don't matter. Mm-hmm. You matter, I don't. I'm not significant. Yeah, that's great. So the demanding is I do matter. I have a right to mm-hmm. this. There was something else. Um, I'm significant. I'm important. All those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I had a, another thought, but it just went out of my giant brain. It, it went along with <laughs> another way of staying demanding. But I mean, isn't it, isn't it some form of, uh, I mean, you're actually taking care of self. <laughs> Exactly. You're taking, well, you're acknowledging that there is a self and then you're taking care of it. That's right. And it kind of invades agency, right? Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm. Yeah. So I'm an allowing agent. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) And I have, so there's that self respect, self care, self validation, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But it gets a bad reputation when you say, oh, I'm being demanding. Mm -hmm. I'm just asking for what, what, what is my due? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. And probably, I mean, unless we really want to keep you as a nine and, and never ask for anything, I don't think it's going to bother us if you ask for what you want. Sure. Maybe no. adequate compensation. <laughs> Ooh. That's nice. Adequate compensation. That's nice. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> hypothetically speaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's oh. so good. So, oh, anyway, this, this polarity stuff is fascinating because it, it just captures so much of, of what, you know, kind of what the Enneagram is describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm also struck by how, and, and we've talked about this on Fathoms before, Mm-hmm. The it seems like the temptation to go to the extremes of either toxic positivity with the Enneagram mm-hmm. or toxic negativity. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're doing here helps us, uh, yeah, reconcile and integrate. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, the, the shadow and idealized parts of ourselves in yeah. some really helpful and tangible ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For those who are artists, which would not be me, um, we did this and it was, it was kind of fascinating. You, you get a piece of paper, a big piece of paper, and on the right side, you draw a picture of I am, you know, your self image. On the left side, the sinister side, you draw a picture of your shadow. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle, you draw a picture of your integ- integration of those two side pieces. Mm-hmm. Kind of triptych there. Uh, it was just a wonderful. That's really great. Stuff yeah, that came up with it. Really creative. Yeah. Wow. The other one, if you again, this is kind of gestalty, but you know, have a dialogue between your persona and your shadow. Mm-hmm. So the persona would say, "Okay, here's what I got to offer you." Shadow would say, "Okay, good. Here's what I got to offer you." The persona might say, "Here's what I'm afraid of if I let you out." You know. Mm-hmm. And the shadow would say, well, here's what I'm afraid of, of you, your persona, you know, you're squelching me, you're, you're limiting me, you're yeah. scaring me out of me. So how can we cooperate? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I'll let you do a little bit of this if you promise not to, you know, get, get me thrown in jail. And I'll let you, um, be critical, but not to the, you know, I'm thinking of a one, not to the extent that you just lacerate me into a bleeding pulp. Mm. Um, you know, but okay, we both got a little something to offer each other. So let's work together rather than. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So kind of be a good nine, mediate those two parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is another question real quick, because I think we're coming to end here, by the way, thanks for going all the way around, man. That was really, that was really great. Thanks for doing that. I like to insult every type. So, (laughs) (laughs) but I was just thinking, you know, people have such issue these days with typing, getting their, their dominant type figured out. And I I just think it it, it makes sense to me that if you're trying to land in your type, it's pretty important that you actually look for how, your polarity is showing up then Mm -hmm. that's how you really land on. You can't, you can't find just all the exciting stuff. Does it have the shadow? Well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot. I mean, the Enneagram is, um, it's complicated. There's a lot to it. You know, there's a lot of new writing about the subtypes. So that really makes a difference. The wings, you know, whether you lean one way or the other and also kind of, where you go under stress, where you go under balance, all those things kind of help locate you. Mm-hmm. But as you say that, I think there's more emphasis these days to fi- you get, yeah, finding your core style, but also the kind of the realization that we've got all nine players on our inner team. You know, there we've got all all of these manifestations that we're capable of. Yeah, and so. We actually we did that with Bob Oaks. We you know spend a week being a one, spend a week being a two, mm. spend a week being a three. So kind of getting back in touch with 
so, so each of the types kind of manifest clearly what, what it is to be that type, but we got all that in us. Mm-hmm. So we can look to the nines and the threes and the fours and, you know, well, oh, that's what that looks like. You you mentioned a few practices that with the drawing and the writing out and having yeah. the conversation, I guess, how do you personally, or maybe how do you work with some of your clients to use this in real time? Like maybe you're driving, you can't draw a picture or anything what's is there any sort of practice that you use um to to work through these uh, yeah i mean one thing you could do is another exercise besides writing out you know uh, i am i am not think of somebody you like and write down the qualities they have that you admire five or so and then think of somebody who drives you around the bend who drives you crazy mm. and what mm-hmm. qualities do they have mm, I like and that. then kind of spend some time being that person that drives you crazy. How Mm -hmm. do I have that in me? Yeah. You know, so like kind of reown that projection and they might tell you something about yourself because what you're going to see is the exaggeration, the distortion of the good stuff. That's Mm -hmm. so good. Again, we might be magnifying it too, but if you make friends with that part of you, you probably won't be that annoyed by the person who's outside of you. That's really good. This has been so enlightening and so beautiful, and I can't wait for our our, our listeners to to hear this, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so so closing out here, you have a certification program, right? Yes. I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people find you and 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 uh, check out this this certification program? Okay. If they go to my website, Enneagram Spectrum. Dot com. So there's that article on polarities and a lot of other articles. There's a section on, you know, when, when the, we've got two parts of the training now, cleverly entitled part one and part two. <laughs> Genius. So yeah. you can see uh, when they're offered and, and you can just sign up online through PayPal. There's also a site training at enneagramspectrum.com. And there, there's also kind of a description of what, what, what is in each training so it's we got it now it's um 24 modules so two times a week tuesday and thursday from our central standard time 11 to 1 so it's it's nice we stay after class if people got questions Mm. so part one is kind of an introduction overview my enneagram spectrum book and then part two going in depth and bringing in some more psychological you know, what is it, Karen Horney and Jung and, and cognitive theory. So how that kind of enriches the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. Too. Yeah, so thank you for asking. Yeah, it, definitely. It, yeah. It's all online now. And we've just had some really wonderful groups. It's been great. Awesome. So finishing up here, is there anything that you, just comes to mind uh, or your heart uh, that, that you would you would love to just leave our listeners with? Um, yeah, what comes to mind is, is kind of some things I've been thinking about lately. And, and Sandra Maitri talks about the soul child and B. Chestnut. What am I doing? Selling their books here. B. Chestnut, <laughs> complete enneagram. So when you think about going um, against the arrow, those parts of you that, that were there when you were little, but either your parents didn't know what to do with them or they got you in trouble. So you kind of squelch those parts. So going back to, you know, so as a five, the little eight in me and getting back in touch with that 
feisty, argumentative, energized person, or, you know, if you're a nine, getting in touch with the three in you, the efficient, the I got something to offer, the successful part. And so four, you want to get in touch with your one. Okay, you're feeling bad about this. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to fix it? If you're a three, you get in touch with your the little six that was in you that may have been fearful. But you overcame that, you know, overdid the successful, confident. But so stay with that young part of you that maybe you don't know what to do with or you're embarrassed by or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and make friends with that part, too. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit, it's, it's along the same idea of making friends with your polarity. But really, yeah. it's, just, it's, it's that part of you that you may have not, that you didn't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. And so now that part of you feels kind of embarrassed or ashamed or afraid to show himself or herself. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's great. Get back and, and affirm that part of you. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Mm-hmm. Well, man, this has been beautiful. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank so you Jerry. All right. A rich, a rich discussion. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Truthwork Media Studios. There we go. We thought it would be like getting back on a bike. Come to find out. (laughs) We don't know how to ride a bike. Yeah. 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 The muscle memory isn't there, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. man.